Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Merry Christmas! I always love Christmas time, don't you? I mean, this is just a, a, such a blessing to be able to, uh, you know, think about the day that we received hope. And as we continue uh, our series on hope has come, I just want to remind us of this season of how dear it is. I mean, there's really only two, right, that we really jump into full throttle, and it's Christmas and Easter. Uh, and, you know, you can't have one without the other, right? So, you know, this is like the beginning, and then once we get around March and we start, you know, focusing on the resurrection. But to me, Christmas is a foundation. And that's really what I want to be able to speak about today. So, uh, you know, again, you know, everybody, if you don't know who I am, my name is Chris Brown. I'm one of the leaders, and I, you know, I obviously I just, you know, graduated from Leadership <laughs> 215. But I just, you know, I really want to give a shout out to Pastor Mark and, and Pastor Terry. You know, this whole journey uh, over the past two years uh, has just been incredible. And, you know, especially the bonds, you know, that we've made, I think have outweighed, you know, all the mental knowledge, all that kind of stuff that, that we've obviously gained, but we've gained also something much deeper. Uh, you know, we've grown in our faith, we've grown in our confidence, we've grown in our uh, relationships with each other, and there's nothing that can really replace that, you know? And, and so what it teaches us uh, is, these relationships that we have are so very important. They're, they're, without them, we can't move forward. And so I just want to have you guys kind of keep that in mind as, as we speak about today's subject, which is on redemption. You know, redemption has to have a redeemer. And if we have a redeemer, we have to have a relationship. Amen? And, and it's in that relationship that we find really what the meaning of redemption is. So let's pray, and we'll dive into this redemption story. Amen? Father, we thank you for everybody seated in this house today. Lord, each one of them has been handpicked today to receive your good news. The good news of your son, that he was sent at the proper time to cover us, Lord God, and to rescue us from the curse of the law. And Father, we thank you that everyone here today has a heart, Lord, that is open, that is ready, and that says, Lord, whatever you have for me today, teach me, show me, guide me, love me, press into me today, Father God, the things that I need to hear. And Father, I just lift, lift myself to you. Let it not be my words that are spoken here today. But, Father, I put all my hope and my faith and my trust that it is you, Lord, that has prepared this message. And it is you that is going to be speaking today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just set up my iPad so it doesn't shut off on me while I'm uh, trying to do this. Bear with me for one second. Auto lock. Never. Okay. All right. So I got a little story first. Uh, I, I was just kind of, you know, thinking, okay, God, what's a, how can I connect this, you know, because redemption is such a broad, uh, broad subject, you know, and, 
And in our series on Hope Has Come, you know, the redemption of our lives is really a mechanism of hope. It really is. Because hope has, like I said, has to have an object for us to have hope in. Otherwise, you know, we, we have many things, amen, that we can put our hope in. And, and I was sitting over there, and, and, and I'm just, you know, even the Van's prayer this morning saying, you know, let this stuff line up. And I'm just over there going, wow, God, wow, God. The songs, the, you know, what was being shared. I mean, it was just diving, let's just do this, God, because you're, you're already ahead of us. So I just want to encourage you that God is already in this message, number one. But something else just dawned on me when I was sitting over there uh, watching God kind of orchestrate things this morning. This really goes back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, there were, there were two trees that were presented to Adam and Eve, were there not? We had the tree of life, and then we had the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and, it, and it just hit me this morning that, you know, and, and I'll just go ahead and throw this out because I want the story to have context when I read it. We often have a struggle with faith, don't we not? Faith is like, it's like uneasy ground. It's like, you know, stepping off, right? And you're like, uh, what do I put my foot on, right? I need some foundation. I need something under me that I can know I'm going to step into and be secure, right? So here comes the enemy, right? Oh, you don't need that. You just need knowledge, right? And this knowledge will actually give you the ability to be independent from God, and it will give you the ability to live the way you want to live. Oh, and by the way, you won't die. What God is telling you, that's not true. He's a liar. But the reality is, church, the devil's a liar. Amen? <laughs> we have the truth, and the truth is going to set us free. Amen? So let me get into this story. This is a really good story, guys. Really good. Really good. So back in 2003... 23-year-old Cornelius Anderson III, nicknamed Mike, I don't know, okay, that, that was his nickname, was arrested for robbing a Burger King at gunpoint. He was sentenced to 13 years in prison, released on bail, and told to await orders on when to show up to serve his time. So the orders never came. Due to a clerical error, Anderson actually never went to prison. But instead of using his freedom to commit more crimes, Anderson started his own construction business, became a youth football coach, and volunteered at his local church. He also got married, had three children, and became a well-liked member of his community. Thirteen years later, the state discovered their error, Obviously, 13 years, they were going to release him, and he wasn't there, right? Hello? And Anderson was put behind bars for nearly one year. As the case received international coverage, an online petition for his release gained more than 35,000 signatures. And after a court hearing that lasted a mere 10 minutes, the judge conceded that Anderson was a changed and granted him credit 
for the years that he should have been imprisoned. And a teary-eyed Anderson walked out of the courthouse with his wife and daughter, telling reporters that he was grateful to God for his release. Powerful story. It's a story of redemption. A story of how Mike took this opportunity and said, wait a minute, I've got something here that is rare. All right? How many people <laughs> get out of going to prison? Right? You're just waiting at home for somebody to phone, you know, call you, and it never happens. Right? And, and I thought about the story, and I thought about our condition here. Right? We haven't reached Judgment Day yet. We're, we're still kind of sitting around waiting on these orders that God said, at the end of your life, your life will be, you know, required, or, you know, an explanation will be required of you. We know that's coming, but here's this good news that Jesus is saying, don't worry. If you trust in me, I've got you covered. I've done this for you. I have redeemed you. So redemption, whoops, I don't want to open my mail. That's what happens when you need glasses. <laughs> Let me get to my, uh, where is it at? There it is. Okay. So if we could go to our next slide, I want to at least start with our main scripture verse today. It's coming out of Galatians chapter 5 is where we have been parked. And Galatians 5, starting in verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Keep that in mind. Under the law. So that he might redeem those who were under the law. That we might receive the adoption as sons. So what is redemption? Let's go to the next slide. Let's take a gander at some of these. Uh, I don't. Hopefully, everybody can read, see those. If not, I'm just going to read through them. I was actually quite struck at how redemption. How there, there's so much. It's so rich. And as we read through this list, I want the. I just man, just grab them. Okay, whatever you need. To redeem means to buy back, to repurchase, to get or win back to free from what distresses or harms, to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to help overcome something detrimental, to release from blame or debt, to clear, to free from the consequences of sin, to change for the better, to reform, to restore, to free from a lien by payment of an amount secured thereby to remove the obligation of payment, to exchange for something of value, to make good, to atone for, to offset the bad effect of, and to make worthwhile. Wow. It's like, I didn't know redemption carried that much weight. It really does. And I want you to think about the fact that it's not like, you know, cutting out coupons at home, you know, and we redeem coupons, right? You go to the store, you get 25% off of an already overinflated bag of chips, right? And you walk out the store and you go, hey, I got 25% off my chips or 25 cents or whatever. 
Okay? Church, that's not redemption. Okay? That's merchandising. (laughs) But I want to encourage you this morning that when someone is redeemed, it's not within their power to do it on their own. We stand in a place where we are unable to redeem ourselves. We stand under judgment immediately when we're born into this life. And that threat can feel overwhelming to us when we actually come to the knowledge of the truth. Or we might just deny it out of hand and say, that's not true. Can't be true. It's too crazy. But here Jesus is telling us that we have no power. But it also means that there has to be someone that is able to pay that price for us. And that price and that payment was very costly. That is the true meaning of redemption. To have a list like this, it means that it's costly. It's worth a lot. How much was it worth? It was worth the life of the Son of God himself. He gave it freely, willingly, for each one of us sitting in this house today. And today he's going to remind us the tree of knowledge and the tree of life are going to be presented to us every single day. So the question is then, what are we redeemed from? Glad you asked. (laughs) we're actually redeemed from the curse of the law. You say, well, what's the curse of the, what is the curse of the law? Well, the curse of the law is the fact that we can never follow it on our own. It is a price we cannot pay. And God is saying, I've got you covered. Amen? But I want to be able to under, for, for us to understand where this came from, to redeem those who were under the law. So to find this out, we actually have to go back uh, a couple of chapters in the book of Galatians. And this is where Paul is actually speaking to uh, the Judaizers. Judaizers simply means a group of Jewish uh, uh, people that were, they were really trying to hold on to the law. And they're like, yeah, 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 we, we understand that Jesus died for us, but, you know, you, you at least have to circumcise the Gentiles. And Paul is like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No. And in fact, in Galatians 2.6, it says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but only through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that. He knew that at his heart. He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he had to have his heart changed on that road to Damascus when Jesus Christ spoke to him as he was heading to Damascus to persecute Christians. <laughs> but also in uh, Galatians 3.3, 3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? So I want to submit to you, next slide, that the works of the law is really the curse of false assurances. You could also say that it is the curse of false hope. 
So if we have in our series this season, hope has come, we want the real deal, right? We want the, 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 the true hope. I don't want to put my hope in something that is false. I don't want to have false assurances. So what does it mean then if we have false assurances under the curse of the law? What well, means that we begin to actually put our hope and our faith and our trust in what we do. It's all based on our actions. Are you able to move the slides? I'm sorry. If you can move it to the next slide, please. Oh, wait a minute. There it is. The works of the law and the curse of... There it is. Okay, here we go. So, in Galatians 3.10, it says, those who rely on the works of their law are under a curse. If you notice the term rely, you could actually put the term hope. You can actually put the, the term assurance in there. Amen? You could say, I, I am assured that if I do the right thing, God will be pleased. I hope that if I do the right thing, God will be pleased. But God is saying, no, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Again, which tree are we going to follow? The tree of knowledge that if I just have the list of do's and don'ts, that I can do this on my own, God. I don't really need that relationship with you. I, I trust that you're there, but you're kind of scary for me. Or I don't really know if you're there. So if I continue to, down this road, I'm at least going to feel good about myself when I get to the end of the road. I've tried to do the right thing. But to rely on our own efforts and our own strength causes us to continue living under that curse. Galatians 3.10 also states, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. See, the advice of the Judaizers to supplement faith with works of the law, it will have the exact opposite of the intent that they had. They wanted to honor God. But the serious part of it is that in doing so, you receive a curse and not a blessing. We think that God will be satisfied with our efforts. We think that he will be pleased with us when we do this. Our default mode is really self-effort, self-reliance. The focus is changing our behavior to please God, to simply do the do's and stop doing the don'ts. And we are cursed because we never experience freedom. But why? Romans 14, 23 says, as everything that does not come from faith is sin. You see, the problem is not our failure to follow the detailed statutes of the law, but that we miss the larger lesson, namely that without a new heart, and without the enablement of God and without faith to obey the law, we would simply be legalistic in the way that we think and the way that we apply it to our life. 
And in fact, this is what Hebrews 6.1 refers to as dead works. And Jesus also said in Matthew 23 that we have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And Jesus listed them as justice, mercy, and faith. Faith is part of the law of God. It's weighty because this is where we understand where trust comes from. Amen? Because if I get in my car and I go to a stoplight, all right, and I get to that stoplight and that light turns green, I'm trusting, right, that everyone else that's not allowed to go is going to stay put and I'm going to be able to go through that light unhindered. That's what trust is. You've got to have something weighty to put your faith in. I'm having faith that everybody's going to stay put. Otherwise, I would not go. So in order for us to understand that concept, we have to have some experience. We've got to have a relationship with the situation. Amen? How many of us actually maybe were scared when we went out and we were driving for the first time when we got that stoplight and we're thinking, okay, is everybody really going to stay put? You know, I've watched these stupid YouTube videos where people are killing everybody out there, driving through red lights, and, you know, you watch one of those over and over and over. It's like, I'm not driving today. I'm going to stay right home. I, I don't want to go out there on the road. But sometimes that's what the enemy does to us is he begins to plant things in our hearts and minds that keep us from having faith and moving forward because we're thinking about the things in this life, the things that hinder, the things that, that stand against having faith in Christ. But Jesus is saying, no, step forward, step out. But the reason we do so is just like what Terry said. We have a, we can't do this without the body of Christ. You know, you can't learn how to drive a car unless you got somebody in their car with you. You're out there on your own, it's a lot more difficult. But the problem with faith is it's much harder because we can't figure it out on our own. We like that knowledge. We like that, that ability to have a part in what we think and do. We need God's power, we need God's presence and his heart in order to follow him. See, the problem is, is we like our lists. <laughs> we like our commands, our regulations, right? Where's Rose? We like our regulations, Miss Safety over there. We got all kinds of stories in our, in our leadership 215 about her safety briefings. And, but that's how we are. Because why? Rules, regulations are designed to protect us, right? And so we need these things. But the problem is, is when we start thinking about the law and, the, and, the, uh, and faith, they can get backwards, okay? But we really do like these lists. I mean, think about it. You may be like, no, I'm a rule breaker. I don't, I don't wear my goggles when I'm sawing my, chain, my chainsaw in the backyard, right? Josh? <laughs> Even though my wife is a safety person, I am not wearing my goggles. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But what, I mean, really, when we're confronted with these things, it's like, hey, just, you know, just... Just tell me what I need to do, okay, and I'll do it. That's our default, is it not? 
But now when we talk about following the law to please God, we're talking about legalism. Because legalism puts a high value on our works. Legalism is following God by doing the works of the law without really having to have a relationship with him or trusting in our own works to please him or gain his favor. Faith, however, puts a high value on the works of Christ. Faith is following God by having a relationship with him in which we learn to be loved by him, trust in him, and see his love come out of us to others and back to him. It's also working our salvation out with fear and trembling. It's taking it seriously. Crucifying our flesh and dying to ourselves. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. It's Galatians 13, 3, 13, and 14. So faith and the works of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, again in verse 13. Jesus fulfilled the works of the law. Yes, he did. But what else did Jesus do? He also trusted the Father perfectly. And he lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. He fulfilled the law perfectly because he knew that the root of the law taught faith, which worked through love. How many times do you think Jesus was probably tempted just like we are? And without that list, he didn't know what to do next. But Jesus simply stated, I only do what I see the Father doing. See, when we're close to Christ, we're, tr we're close to the Father, we see what he's doing and we follow him. He guides our steps. He guides us in our relationships with one another. He guides us through the difficult parts of our life where we may not have the right list. Or we may be focusing on the wrong parts of the list. And I think Jesus is here to say today, throw out the list and take me as your redeemer. Trust in me. Yes, it's a little scary. But church, if we are constantly going back and looking at our performance, we're always going to struggle. We're always going to feel like we're not good enough. We're always going to feel like we're not doing the right thing all the time. And that's where the enemy just comes in and starts hammering us. You're not doing enough. You're not doing it right. You didn't, you didn't do it long enough. No. Just shout back at the devil and say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed in Christ. He did it for me. All I am doing is following him because he said, follow me. Take my hand. And I will lead you into the promised land is what Jesus is calling for us to do. You see, we've been redeemed for freedom. Freedom from the curse of the law. Freedom from trying to figure it out on our own. Not that intelligence or wisdom or any of that stuff is unimportant. No. 
but it must first come through the power of the Holy Spirit. It must come from God, from within, to enlighten the mind, to renew the mind so that we begin to understand what our life and our world is about through the, his perspective. Because there is a way out if we look away from ourselves and to Christ and hope in him while we live. You see, Paul saw the blessing of Abraham summed up as the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's really the, the key. Because the Spirit brings everything that we are inherited to. He's the key. And we receive the Holy Spirit through faith. And just like our namesake, life in the Son, <laughs> our faith is or our life is found in his Son. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law to live by the law of faith. The focus now is repenting of our unbelief and trusting that God has and will change our behavior through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, church, it's not that Jesus did away with the law. He fulfilled it. And if our faith is in him, we will fulfill it in him. Yes, the law is important. Yes, behaviors are important. But striving to change them on our own puts us under a curse. Because it takes faith for us to trust and believe that God is going to do it in us. But trust me, church, as you step out in faith, God will lead you through the difficulties. He will lead you through changing your mind into trusting in how he operates through faith and not through following the works of the law. So the decision of curse or blessing really hangs on why we obey and who gets the credit. You see, obedience isn't legalism. It's a symptom of salvation. That's C.S. Lewis. You see, the works of the law, which we do in our own strength to move God's favor our way, are free acts of love done in humble reliance on the strength which God freely supplies, that in everything he may get the glory, not us. See, we want to be able to come to, before God and go, see, God, I, I did everything I could. But really what he's wanting the confession to be is, God, thank you for doing everything through me. Thank you that you supplied my every need. You supplied everything that I could ever hope for. You supplied my obedience. <laughs> you supplied my growth. You supplied everything. And when we get stuck in the middle of dark circumstances, we always want to lean on our own understanding. And there's circumstances right now that, you know, Cindy and I uh, are, are facing that, yeah, we could easily look at and go, you know what, this is how we would handle it. But God is saying, no, that's the way you would handle it. And we're finding that whenever we surrender to God's mercy, God's love, God's grace, God's love never fails. <laughs> it's a game changer. It changes people's hearts. It changes people's minds. It, it, it's unnatural, and it's meant to be that. 
So we have to understand that we can ask ourselves some really serious questions. Do I really believe that when Jesus died, all my curse was lifted so that I could say with Scripture, what can man do to me? Do I really believe that the death of Jesus is the pledge of God to withhold no good thing from me? Do I really believe that all things work together for my good? Do I really trust the counsel of Christ when he said, do not be anxious for anything? You see, this is the struggle of everyday Christian life. And it's our most important work. How to keep our day's activities from becoming works of law. And how to live by faith in the Son of God who loves you and gave himself for you to redeem you from the curse of legalism. So it's believing that we have been bought back. We have been repurchased. This is all past tense, church. We have received help to overcome something detrimental. We have been released from the blame, and we've been released from our debt. We have been freed from the consequences of sin. We have been changed for the better. We have been reformed. We have been restored. We have been freed from our debt of sin that we could never pay. We have been exchanged for something of value. We have been made good. We have been atoned for. And we have been made worthwhile. Pastor Terry talked about a condition at the beginning of the service. That condition is faith. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the completed work of Christ. There is nothing you can add, nothing you can take away. Your behavior, one way or the other, does not affect God's love for you. What you do is going to be a result of knowing God's love for you. And that is my prayer today. Because our redemption was costly. Because we because what we have received is extremely valuable. And in fact, it was priceless. So in closing, as you can see, we have nothing left to work for. All we have left is what we have to work from. It's inviting the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ into our heart to do what we are unable to do. Because the gospel is clear that Jesus came to live the life that we should have lived. He came to die the death that we should have died in our place. He carried the cross specifically for each one of us so that we could be set free from the curse of the law. So I want to provide an opportunity today for anybody that may have looked at salvation as something that you do. And I want to provide anybody in here today the opportunity to receive Christ as something that he's done for you. 
And I want you to connect with Jesus today. I want you to connect through the Holy Spirit to know the love of the Father, that he has done all of this for each one of us individually, right here, right now, today. His death, though it was 2,000 years ago, though he rose on the third day, proving he was the Son of God 2,000 years ago, he did it for you today. It's understanding that this gospel message, this good news, is good news that you've been released from having to labor for God's favor, for God's salvation, for God's perfection. You have been redeemed to love him, to let go of yourself, to get the focus off of you and put it on him. You've been redeemed. You are a son or a daughter if you have placed your faith and your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. You are. All that list of past tense applies to you. There's nothing more you can do, and there's nothing that you can do to take it away, ever. You are his. You're bought with a price. He will defend to the end your life because you have placed your trust in him. So with every head bowed and every eyes closed, every eye closed, I just want to provide the opportunity for anybody today to go deeper. And truly begin that walk with Christ based on the truth that he has done it for you. And I just want to be able to pray with you this morning to receive that. So if that's you, if you just slip up a finger, that way I just know whether to pray for you or not. Amen. Well, just let's all pray together. Amen. Father, I thank you that in Jesus Christ I have been redeemed. I've re been redeemed from the curse of the law. And I've been restored to a right relationship with you because I believe that Jesus took my debt. He paid the price for my sin. And I believe that he rose on the third day, proving that he was your son. And I invite him now into my life. I repent of my unbelief. I repent of my trusting in works to save me. And I trust in your finished work that you have provided Jesus Christ as a ransom for my life. And I invite the Holy Spirit to come into me now and provide me the power that I need to walk day by day and to live in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.